excited to uh, be continuing this series. Listening to God. And uh, for those who are on the podcast, hello, it's good to see you. It's great to have you along. Uh, in my family, uh, the family where I grew up, we have this uh, tradition where, um, and I don't know where the hang this came from, but basically at 21, um, for your 21st birthday, you, uh, you get to jump out of a plane. Now, um, again, I've got no idea where this um, idea came from, but, you know, I love a bit of adventure in my life, and at uh, 21, I was like, yes, we're going to go, um, we're going to do this um, tandem skydive, and um, so, you know, in, in Nelson, uh, where I grew up, you have these um, amazing clear blue uh, sky days uh, often, and you often see, you know, um, people skydiving, um, thankfully parachutes as well at some point, and and uh, you know it's 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 amazing. So I'm really excited to go um, to go uh, skydiving. And the first time you go skydiving, you uh, often you're with um, a person doing a tandem jump. So essentially, you're with an experienced skydiver, and you kind of clip your. Uh, self onto uh, their back, and they do all the work, and all you do is yeah, jump out of the plane. So um, I'm really excited to we get to the airport, we do the briefing about hey, this is what, what's going to happen. I remember signing some document, I can't, can't remember what it said, um, and then uh, hop into the plane. And of course, and I've done this before. My uncle's a pilot, um, and so I've been in planes, and so that you know, that seemed all very familiar. Hop into the plane, you know, get up to altitude. And it's just amazing. You can see flipping everything. It's so great. Nelson Skies. Uh, we actually went over to Motueka. They have an airstrip over there, so we flew over there. Um, you see the, you know, it's, you see the beach. You see the mountains. You see this little green patch of grass in an apple orchard. It's like, yeah, we're going to that. It's like, okay, great. Um, then we're kind of at altitude and we're with other people in the plane, and they just literally like high five and jump out. It's like, oh. <laughs> I wasn't really expecting that. I thought there'd be some kind of a bit more ceremony to hopping out of a plane. Someone might ring a bell, but none of that. They just uh, they just jump out of the plane. And uh, I kind of look back to my instructor, and he just taps me on the shoulder and very firmly and reassuringly says, let's go. So uh, I shuffle to the door. You know, you're half in the plane. You're half out of the plane. The wind your heart's about to jump out of your mouth. You're doing these strange last-minute risk calculations. What does, uh, what does all care and no responsibility actually mean at this point? <laughs> I'm sure people drive away from this. Anyway, it kind of, um, it's like the wind. And then, you know, I kind of look back, and then you get the eyebrows, which means, come on, let's go. And I jump out of the plane. And man, I was like... I was so scared. <laughs> it was scary. It was amazing. It was thrilling. And uh, today I want to talk about the spiritual version of this when it comes to hearing God. I want to talk about the spiritual version of this. You know, so often it's the case we associate hearing from God or wanting to hear from God. We usually associate that with ideas of um, certainty or clarity or um, not being wrong being assured that your plans will uh, work out, that the door of opportunity will just spring open, there'll be just like the smooth path before you, and all obstacles are moved as you kind of go successfully down the road. Or, you know, often we think about hearing from God, and we hope that all, when we hear from God, that all risk 
will be removed. And I just want to be really clear right at the start and as, as assuringly as I can, saying hearing from God basically has nothing to do with that. All of these things, you can be hearing from God and all of these things can still be in play. And, you know, and I want to assure you that while that's the case, you'll still be safe. Your safety is not required or it's not contingent upon hearing from God. Your safety is actually contingent upon God's presence in your life. And God is for you. And you need to uh, know that as you step out with God. And in this way, you can be uncertain but still safe. You can lack clarity but still step out. Your plans may not work out but you'll be secure because you're actually held uh, in God's uh, presence. You know, I often make the mistake when I'm thinking about this by thinking, um, kind of connecting the idea of rightness or being right or doing the right thing um, as a strategy for being safe. And that just quite simply isn't true. You know, you, and the worst thing about that strategy is you can kind of turn into a bit of a spiritual hypochondriac. You know, wondering, oh my gosh, checking my spiritual temperature all the time. How am I going? And I've got to hear from God before I step out into the world. And it's, um, it can kind of be a bit uh, paralyzing in many ways. Um, but I just want to say that, you know, um, often in those situations where we kind of find ourselves needing to, to demand to hear from God before we move, um, actually God doesn't often play ball in those situations. I mean, God sometimes does because he's much kinder than I am. But in the main, you know, God often doesn't, won't be forced uh, to, into that position. And when you stop and think about it, just stop and think about this for a moment, actually being placed in a position of risk being placed in a position where there's, you know, uh, quite a bit of uncertainty, or being placed in a position where there's multiple options uh, before you and multiple right paths, you know, what God is doing at that point is paying you an enormous compliment because God is trusting you. God believes in you, and God trusts that you'll do the right thing and that you're mature enough and that you'll just kind of step out with God come what may. And in the words of the famous missionary um, William Carey, you'll attempt great things for God and expect great things uh, from God, irrespective of uh, the clarity. Um, and so if you've just joined us, or perhaps you're just jumping into this uh, series uh, midway, what we've done is we've framed up listening to God or hearing from God um, or God speaking to us is actually part of, it's one element of a much harder, bigger thing called this life with God. It's part of a whole relationship with God. Hearing from God or, hearing, or having God communicate with us is in service of a conversational relationship that we're having with God. And we've, um, what's been helpful for us is this quote by E. Stanley Jones. And he says this, obviously God must guide us in a way that will develop spontaneity in us. The development of character rather than direction in this, that, and the other matter must be the primary purpose of the Father. He will guide us, but he won't override us. Suppose a parent would dictate the child minutely, sorry, dictate to the child minutely everything he is to do during the day. The child would be stunted under that regime. The parent must guide in such a manner and to the degree that autonomous character, capable of making right decisions for itself, is produced. 
and God does the same. You know, far from being like an over-anxious suburban helicopter parent that's fitted a spiritual GPS to their child, you know, directing them, walk this way, watch that way. Oh my gosh, there's wet leaves, watch out. You know, actually God is not like that at all. God wants us to be mature. God wants us to actively engage. God wants us to, us to intelligently uh, participate and willingly and actively take our part of the action in the unfolding drama of recreation that Jesus is leading us into. And part of every action, that's why Jesus calls us friends, because God has revealed to us through Jesus what God wants uh, for this world, and God is leading us into that through Jesus. And yes, we call God Father, because of course all of creation has its origins uh, in God. And yes, because of that, God is Lord of all. That's absolutely true. But we participate in this world as friends of God, we're co-workers, working side by side in the kingdom of God. You know, we're friends of the king. That's what it boils down to. We're friends uh, of the king. And listen to these words um, that Jesus says uh, to his disciples. I do not call you servants any longer because servants don't know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. The way that we're framed this up is in the unfolding drama of recreation. Jesus is leading. We're invited to participate actively as you are. You know, the, the importance of yourself is, is of incredibly high value to God. You are the only person occupying your space in this piece of time, this piece of history. And God wants you to jump in with what Jesus is doing and join him on the stage of new creation uh, to play your part. And we try to, I'm trying to communicate this um, at, by this little moment that happened in Gladstonebury in 2019. All right, yeah, so the idea here is that um, what we're called into is a life where we're, we're participating alongside Jesus. We're not creating this life. We're participating with Jesus in uh, this life, in the kind of, in the unfolding symphony, the song, the drama of new creation. And so the question is, you know, we're trying to raise, how does God or how does communication uh, fit within this? And we talked about the way that um, in communication, there's just really this four-step process. Who can remember how this works? So, you know, communication is this amazing ability where I have a thought in my mind and I'm able that to, to evoke that in your mind and do with that, you know, without doing any brain surgery. It's amazing, right? So we all know how this works. So I have a thought in my mind and, then we, and I do a hand action and it's, you know, what does this mean? Stand up, that's right. This means sit down, that's right. This means stop, right. Now, so my thought is connected to an index of actions. You receive those, that index of actions. You see those, you hear those words, you see those actions. And the software in your brain, the language software in your mind, raises the thought of stand, sit, come, go. You, that's how it works, right? Now the trick here is, the key thing to remember, I'm trying to communicate here is, that the thought you're having in your mind, or is being evoked in your mind, is 100% your 
thoughts. I'm evoking it through my action, but the thought that raises into your mind is 100% uh, your thoughts. Now, what God does is God uses a variety of different means to do exactly the same. God uses a variety of different means and just directs the thoughts to raise in your mind. They are your thoughts. So often it feels like we're talking to ourselves at this point. And in some ways we kind of are. Right? But God is raising these thoughts in our minds, but it's God is the one who is uh, directing these thoughts. And of course, at the start of this series, um, we talked about the way that communication or God sharing his life with us is really about God sharing his mind with us, that we might openly and actively uh, participate and experience the flow of God in our lives. You see, becoming alive, becoming who we're intended to be, is actually opening ourselves and actively participating in the life of God. And when we do that, we come, we become what God created us uh, to be. And I want to push this out a little bit further. But at the heart of this is that you've got to remember that Jesus' line is, Jesus said, I come to the world, come into the world, that you might have life and life to the full. God wants us to experience life to the full, and the way we do that is by learning to follow Jesus. So I want to map this out a bit further for you. Let's take uh, this ark, this wonderful ark. I want you to imagine that this ark and everything inside it represents all of reality. Are we all happy with that? Okay, this ark represents all of reality. And inside this ark, um, this color represents uh, God's presence uh, throughout reality. Now, within reality, we have, oh, there's God's presence in all of reality right there. Um, within this um, God's presence in all of reality, there are realms of existence. Let's take the realm of existence of a plant, a favorite vegetable, somebody. Broccoli, I hear broccoli. Okay, so broccoli, the amazing thing about broccoli, right, is that broccoli is alive to um, certain elements of reality, but is dead to others. Broccoli is alive to the uh, elements of dark, light, wet, uh, cold, warm, wet, dry, but is not alive to the reality of movement. Does this make sense? So we've got a realm of existence, Broccoli is alive to some things, but not others. Now, let's take another realm of um, existence. Let's take um, pets, for example. Uh, a favorite dog or cat, name of a dog or cat? Kobe. Love Kobe. Kobe is alive to everything that broccoli is alive to, but also alive to the realm of movement. Kobe is an amazing uh, dog, um, and look, one of the great things about Kobe is also alive to the world of movement, wet, um, dark, light, warm, cold, warm, wet, dry, but also the world of play. Like Kobe, Kobe loves to play with you. If you go around there, Kobe's a great dog to play with. Now, however amazing Kobe is, and Kobe is an amazing dog, uh, Kobe uh, does not know anything about abstract reasoning. I've played with Kobe, tried to teach Kobe calculus. I've tried to talk to Kobe about quantum physics, play chess. I mean, that dog is bright. 
But let me tell you, abstract reasoning, it's wasted on pets, right? It's, it's alive to, the, to all this world, but it is dead to the world of abstract reasoning. Human beings, however, live in a realm of existence where they're alive to everything that Kobe is alive to, but also to the world of abstract reasoning. And the goal of becoming a Christian, the goal of learning to follow Jesus, is in fact not only to be alive to all of those things, but also to be alive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who's with me? Is this making it? Yeah? This is great. Bit of ontology on your Sunday. Love it. I want you to keep this little diagram in mind while I read these verses. Paul, speaking um, to the philosophers in Athens, says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is the Lord of heaven and earth, is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Is this, making, is this ringing, ringing true? Yeah? Or Ephesians 4. Make every effort, effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. And the importance that the Bible is trying to make here is that reality is not held together by a multitude of impersonal forces, but rather reality is sustained by a personal presence. God's conscious personal presence is at the very center of reality and is the very thing that holds all reality together. It is overall, it is through all, and it is in all. Okay, here's where this cashes out. This is why in the Bible, the Bible prioritizes the personal voice of God, or what's called, or what is termed the still small voice of God in our hearts, over spectacular encounters of supernatural power. And the Bible prioritizes that over supernatural and personal encounters of, of power. Not that because God can't do that. God does whatever God wants to do, right? But God prioritizes this personal um, kind of speaking into our lives because it's through the quiet surfacing of thoughts and impressions or God speaking directly into our minds that we are most free to act in or interact with the personal presence of God. Does this make sense? So with God raising or speaking directly into our mind, we at that point are most free to act and interact with God's presence. And from the Bible's perspective, that's where the real power lies. And that's why we're digging into this series. It's because God is with us. God, we are living, we are moving uh, in God's being. Um, again, this little quote from E. Stanley Jones. He says this, I believe in miracles, but not too much miracle. For too much miracle would weaken us, make us dependent in miracles. We need just enough miracle for us to know he is there, but not too much, lest we depend on it when we should depend on our own initiative and in his orderly processes for our 
development. How are we going? Doing pretty well? All right. We're going to shift gears now. I'm going to give you five, Newt's five guidelines, uh, top tips for um, how to kind of discern when God is uh, speaking to you. Here we go. Top tip number one. Um, in, look, in my experience, the only way to actually begin to kind of jump into this process or, or really experience this is through experience and through experimentation. Um, there's no other way to kind of get the feel for what it's like to hear from God apart from um, experiencing it for yourself. And often you'd think that, gosh, if God was going to speak to me, I would know automatically that it was God speaking, right? It would have the voice of Sam Henry. It would be kind of deep and authoritative. It's like, whoa, God is definitely speaking to me. Um, but it wouldn't be, do you know what? I was at a cafe the other day, and a person who I'd, I'd never met, like for years, said, oh, did you used to work at a certain place? And I said, why? He said, it's because of your nasal voice. I was like, that's <laughs> like... I don't know if that was, I'm pretty sure that wasn't a compliment. But anyway, I paid for the coffee. Um, but yeah, so we, we, you'd think if God was speaking, you would automatically recognize that it was God speaking. But often in what you see in the Bible is that is actually not the case. There's this wonderful story about Samuel who was, um, he, uh, he lived, and, uh, lived at the temple and he had this experience of God when he was asleep, of, of God calling him. And he thought, oh my gosh, it must be my boss Eli. And so he jumped up and said, it's me. Anyway, this happened three times. Eli got the idea that it's actually not him calling, it was actually God speaking to him. And so he basically guided him and said, oh, when that happens again, just kind of say, uh, God, uh, speak, your servant's listening. Now, the interesting point about this is he actually had to learn through experience to detect or hear or acknowledge that God was speaking. And this, you see this lots of times in the Bible. Um, God is speaking, but you need help in order to learn uh, how to kind of detect or apprehend that. Um, for me, um, you know, I, when, I think the most, the, the, the most helpful thing I've done is actually just kind of jump in neck deep and praying for others. Um, when, and this might seem like a strange way to learn what does it mean to hear God, but it really has been the most helpful thing um, to actually learn to hear God in my own life is actually with praying for others in a time of ministry. Now, I basically didn't know anything you know, when I first started. I didn't really know what, what I was doing with that. And so I stood along a person, beside a person, and they just basically coached me. I was praying for this person. They were saying, hey, what do you sense God's saying to them? And it literally just coached me into it. It was absolutely amazing. When I first started, I had the spiritual sensitivities of a rhinoceros. I had no idea, right? Absolutely none. But eventually, over time, I actually got coached into that and learned how to, do, and how to participate in it. And it's really been the most uh, helpful thing in my own life. So if you want to learn a little bit more about, you know, what does it mean to hear from God, you've got to do it through experience. And one great way to experience that is to jump in and help out uh, in a time of uh, ministry. That's the first number one. I say number two, and whenever you feel um, that God is uh, speaking to you or saying, to, saying anything to you, you know, if it falls outside of the picture of reality that God has presented to us in the Bible, you can be, be most assured that it's actually not the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to you. Um, I feel this kind of goes without saying, but if anyone's ever felt like, oh, God's um, saying to me that I should commit insurance fraud, 
Um, that's probably not God speaking to you. One, you, although it's very hard to find in the Bible a specific verse uh, saying you shall not commit insurance fraud, you do know that it's basically goes against the Bible's general um, kind of commandment about deception. Is that, does that make sense? So you're not going to find insurance fraud. You're not going to find, I'm going to set up a false you know, Bitcoin company. Just don't do any of that. That's not God speaking to you. That's something else speaking to you. The second, the second thing is, <laughs> the second thing to say on this is um, there's some really great um, advice in, uh, that Paul gives the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 14, he's um, talking to when people are going to sense a word for the church or um, uh, God speaking through them to the church. Um, there's basically three key things that you know that um, it's coming from God. It's if it's, it's strengthening, if it's encouraging, and if it's comforting. And if it's doesn't, if it's not those three things, then Paul is saying in um, the book of Corinthians, hey, it's most likely not from God. And look, in my experience, God has actually asked me to do some pretty strange things, um, and some, sometimes some very challenging things, and often some very sacrificial things, and things that sometimes I literally don't want to do, but God is asking me to do them. But whenever I feel God asking me to do things, even in that, those situations, I always find it's never undermining. It's always a voice of reassurance that's uh, behind it all. And um, so although it's um, someone else, it could be for someone else, it's actually never, never undermining. There's always a tone of strengthening and a tone of assurance and being very, very affirming. The, so that's point number two. The third thing is, you know when kind of God's speaking to you because it has the certain uh, quality about it. One of the distinctive things about Jesus' ministry is that when he spoke, it came with just it came with authority. It didn't need to argue. It just was there. It just proceeded, and things um, just happened. And there's kind of no easy way to describe this. And I'm thinking of a way to describe it, even as we as I stand here now. And I think I've got a way to describe this. But you often you know it's God speaking to you because the word that you kind of feel bubbling up into your mind, it has a certain resonance about it. Okay, we're going to try this now. Andy, can I get you to come up? You up for this? Come on. Can you just slightly detune your E string? And Matt, can you uh, jump on the piano? This is all planned, everybody. Don't worry, it's well rehearsed. Okay, can you just slightly detune your E string? Yeah, take, get rid of that capo. All right, I want everyone to close their eyes. What we're going to do is then we're going we're to tune the guitar, and when you think it's in tune, raise your hand. Okay, close your eyes. You have to close your eyes for this. What you're listening to is one note, and when it matches the other note, it starts to resonate. Put your hand up. Matt, hit that E. Clearly that's off. All right, let's go. see that hand. Okay, we're there. Can you kind of feel that? You feel that sensation of resonance? Yeah, that's kind of what you know when God is speaking to you. It just lands in your spirit, and it has a resonance about it. It resonates with your spirit. It's kind of God's word resonates with what 
is in your spirit, and you kind of feel it, and it just kind of lands. Thank you, guys. That's very good. Can't wait till we sing our next song. It'll be in tune. It nearly always is. <laughs> All right. So that's it. There's, and you can't underestimate this. You know, you kind of just know God, it's, it's God speaking to you because of the way that it lands. Third thing is time. Often when I'm um, seeking God about something, here's what I do. Here's, um, I'm so spiritual, you'll love this. Um, here's what I do. If I'm kind of thinking about something or a situation, uh, what I do is I just, um, I literally just close my eyes. Sometimes I just lie, lie on my bed, I close my eyes, and I just bring the situation before God and begin speaking to God about it. It's literally what I do. And then I'll do that, or I'll get a cup of tea, because I'm an Anglican vicar. I have a cup of tea, sit in a chair, and literally just quietly, in my mind, bring the situation before God, and talk to God about it. And I'll give God 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes. If I haven't got anything in 30 minutes, what I do is I then um, just go and do something that's pretty, that doesn't take a whole lot of energy or doesn't take a whole lot of focus. Um, I might go for a walk. I might go for a run. I might vacuum. I put my earbuds in. I don't have anything on. But what I'm doing at that point is I'm just giving a God um, a chance to speak to me without that sense of I'm twisting his arm behind his back. You know, I'm just saying, hey, God, I'm open to you, and I'm, I'm listening while I do other things. And I, I'm just so surprised. Usually something will, will happen. Often, when something doesn't happen, I'll do this a couple of times, um, or if I kind of feel something God is saying to me about something and it's not clear, I just repeat the process. That's what you do in science, you know, so you just repeat the process. If I get basically radio silence on something, after a couple of days, I just drop it. I just literally drop it, but I keep my ear open to maybe God speaking to me about something and my eyes open to detect actually God's, you know, if God is moving in circumstances or moving within uh, my own life. So usually there's a kind of time element to it. If you hear God speaking to you, that's, there's, that, there's that time component. Um, the, fourth, the fifth element um, is um, trusted friends. And this is pretty much my go-to. If I feel God has spoken to me about something or is speaking to me about something, usually I will um, just have a conversation with some trusted friends. But I don't, you know, here's top tip. Don't, don't start the conversation by, God spoke to me. You know, you'll freak them out. Just begin the conversation normally. And actually, in the midst of the conversation, you'll just be surprised about, you know, actually the way that God speaks, you know, through conversations with people. Um, often, if I'm really stuck, I'll ask um, a friend or a group of friends to hold something before God um, on my behalf. And as Clay was saying, it's like more often than not, you know, it's uncanny. You know, I say it's uncanny. I'm a vicar. I'm supposed to say it's not uncanny. This is what you could expect. But it still hits me with a surprise when how more often than not, people come back saying pretty much the same thing. Who's experienced this? Yeah, it's quite often the case, isn't it? So what we're trying to say here is there are some guidelines to hearing God. It's not supposed to be a mystery. And in fact, it is the birthright of every human being to actually be able to hear from God and participate in the life of God. And it's not just for unhinged, charismatic crazies. It's not for aristocratic Anglicans, you know, woodenly walking through a liturgy. Or it's just not for, you know, the spiritual SAS. It's actually this hearing from God is actually part of everyday life. It's part of actually what does it mean to become fully alive as a human being. 
Remember Jesus' words that you can't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds from uh, the mouth of God.